Are you thinking about starting your own cash practice? Maybe you've already started your own practice and you're starting to realize that there's a lot to learn when it comes to business. We can be great clinicians, but if we don't understand the business side of having our own practice, we're going to have a hard time being successful in business. Guys, I wrote a book for you and I took everything that I've learned over the last five years of running successful cash practice here in Atlanta. And I put it in this book and I gave you everything that you need to be able to start and scale that practice past yourself. That book is called Fuck Insurance. And if you don't like the title, the book is not for you. If you do like the title, it's the exact book that you need to be reading right now. I show you exactly how to start. I show you what's important when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales, when it comes to operations, and what stage you're actually at in the business. You know, where you're at, what you need to focus on while you're there, and how to get to the next stage. I'm trying to set it up in a way where you can get some clarity in your business. And the book for now is 100% free. All you have to do is go to finsurancebook.com. That's finsurancebook.com and get your free copy of the book that I wrote specifically to help you be successful in business. The book is free. All you got to do is pay for it to get to your door so that I don't lose my shirt on giving everybody all these books and sending them around the world. And again, head to finsurancebook.com, learn how to run a successful cash practice today. So here's the question. How do physical therapists like us who don't want to see 30 patients a day, who don't want to work home health and have real student loans create a career and life for ourselves that we've always dreamed about? This is the question and this podcast is the answer. My name is Danny Matei and welcome to the PT Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey you guys, Maestro here, and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today I have with me my bestie, a super special guest. He's been not on not once, not twice. This will be his third time. Just start our own podcast. We talked about... What do you think about that? <laughs> right? You want to do that? We talked about selling pornography, the first one. Wow. We talked about fucking insurance, the second one. So who knows what we're going to be talking about this time. This doesn't well for me. I, I think that I feel like, uh, you know, when you put it like that, I don't know if people are going to want to listen to the rest of this. This is going to be the number one listen to episode. I already know. <laughs> Without further ado, my friends, welcome to the show, Dr. Danny Matei. Danny, welcome. Man, you have a great, you have a really good radio voice. You know, and podcasts are better than radio anyway, so... Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Like this, that was a, a, a great intro. I, but I'm serious. Hey, one of these days, like maybe you and I'll just start a podcast. We talk enough mm, anyway. We just shit. we can just bullshit for an exactly. hour. Exactly. Just week. record it. Done. <laughs> it's not that hard to do. Like, just not. record it. Like totally people not. are stoked about this episode already. So I tease that, and then they're stoked about you coming in to speak. So if you guys don't know Danny, I'm not sure how you don't. But if you don't, I will link in the show notes uh, the past few episodes that I do. Um, but Danny, why don't you give them like the whatever 30 second spiel, who you are, what you do, okay. and then let's talk about biz. Okay. So. My background is basically this. I, I uh, you know, went to PT school like everybody uh, that's a physical therapist. If you're a clinician of any other sort, it's the same thing with the school. Just sub that in for, for you. Um, mine just happened to be in the Army. So I went through the U.S. Army Baylor program. I spent uh, about seven years 
active duty in the army, uh, assigned a couple different places, had some cool, cool jobs with infantry groups, uh, or in infantry brigades, as well as, uh, at the, the airborne school, um, uh, which was my last assignment down at Fort Benning, which was cool. So I saw, saw some really cool injuries, uh, and really enjoyed my time, but kind of got to a point where I realized, you know, I knew my trajectory. I saw my bosses. I realized what that looked like. It was a lot of management. It was a lot of, you know, clinic, uh, hospital kind of settings, high volume stuff that I really wasn't interested in. Um, and around that time I'd got, uh, you know, I'd gotten to know Kelly Sturette and Kelly, uh, is somebody to this day, who's a good friend of mine. And, and, uh, is a mentor of mine and somebody that, um, asked me if I was interested in, coming on to teach for them in particular, the tactical, uh, courses, uh, that they offer, you know, so I got a chance to work with quite a few military groups, um, all around the world and teach for them and for CrossFit at the time, whenever, uh, you know, we had a contract with them. And, uh, and I decided at the same time, I was like, Hey, I'm going to start my own practice when I get out, you know? And I thought, you know, do it during the middle of the week. You know, I'm traveling mainly on the weekends to go teach. Uh, and, uh, you know, fast forward, that was, uh, that was six years ago, basically. Somehow I ended up writing a book on business, uh, a couple you know, about a year ago, I started a podcast on business about two years ago. And, and the reason I did that was because I noticed I got a ton of questions from students, younger clinicians, or just really, you know, people, people in general in multiple different healthcare environments asking me how we could charge 200 plus dollars an hour in Atlanta, cash services, not have to take insurance whatsoever and scale that past myself within a couple of years. And, and we don't really think anything special of it. We just thought, okay, we're just going to keep doing this. And I realized man, all these things that I've been working on were basically, uh, not clinical, uh, at all. I mean, it was, it was all different things, business related things. And I wanted to share that with everybody, um, to help out as well. So that's kind of, you know, where, where the business side started and I've gone, you know, off the deep end into that almost exclusively, um, over the last couple of years and, and really try to learn as much as I can on that, on that topic and, 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 and share it with our profession, because I honestly do think that, you know, our ability to, uh, understand the business side of things and, uh, you know, bring business into our own practice, sell effectively. It's a difference between whether you're going to have time and financial freedom, or if you're going to get stuck in the same vicious circle that a lot of people do, uh, where you kind of start to hate your job, but you don't really know what else to do. And you start to be kind of, you know, miserable no. to be around. And then your family notices that, and you notice that, and everything suffers from there. Um, so we try to help people realize that they can do it on their own and show them how to do it. Can you back it up for a little second there, Danny? This is one of the reasons I love Danny and a, a difference we have here. You still have a practice. I do. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, so so my practice is called Athletes Potential, and, and you know it's a vague name for uh, cash practice because we kind of thought we might want to start a gym uh, whenever we, we got out of, mm. the, uh, of the Army. And when I say we, I mean uh, my wife Ashley and I, and Ashley is – She's a massive best. part of, of our business. She She's runs best. all the operations. Um, she helped organize it a lot. If it wasn't for her, I'd still be in a windowless room in a CrossFit gym, you know, in the corner <laughs> by myself. Uh, and, 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 you know, we use that at, at both as yes, like a local practice. We work with people. We, you know, we, we have a clinic schedule, um, but it also gives us an opportunity to use that as a, a tool to test things and share as well. Right. So, um, it's, it's cool because, because it's like a little lab, like a little business lab that we get to test different things out, see what's working, what's not working, share, uh, but also still be a part of the community and help people. Right. Because that's a yeah. big part of why we went to school to begin with. And, and it's not that I didn't like working with people. I just didn't like working with 30 people a day. I just wanted to work with mm -hmm. like six, maybe seven. And it's way more fun when you get to do that versus, you know, the high volume side that's just so burnt out and confusing for most people. Um, so, so it's, yeah, it's something we still have to this day and, and are super proud of it. 
I love that. And it's a big difference there between Danny and myself. And, you know, sometimes people ask about that. I'm like, no, I don't like treating. I never like treating. I like assessment. Like, I didn't like treating 30 people. I really didn't like treating five people either. Uh, so that's why I stepped away from it. Um, but Danny is still in the trenches and still doing these things. So for those of you that need a direct model of like, oh, well, he's not still doing it. Uh, actually, he is. I want to kind of segue from that, Danny. Right now we have the great pause going on, right? We're in the time of Rona and people are are realizing that either they loved what they were doing and they miss it or they hated what they were doing and they don't miss it, but they're still looking for something. So in terms of, let's start with the people who loved it and are looking to get back, but the reality is, uh, we kind of were talking about beforehand that maybe they are the first to get fired. Maybe Mm -hmm. they are really expensive as a clinician. What are your thoughts on, hey, we're going back to business because pretty much everything is open now in terms of clin- in terms of clinics. Um, can you talk business with us, Danny? Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I jump on a lot of calls with practitioners from all over the country, and I feel like I you know doubled the amount during this, what do you call it, the great mm-hmm. pause? <laughs> the great pause, yes, the great That's pause. That's great. That's a good way to put it. So during this great pause, I've jumped on a lot of calls with uh, with clinicians around the country. And one, one common theme that I've heard, and some of you, this might be your story as well, is the, the I think the most dangerous place to be is a really, you know, a, a seasoned clinician in a uh, in-network practice that has higher volume. And, and part of it is this. So when you look at what's happening, uh, people's buying behaviors are going to change for a, a, a long time, you know, potentially forever after some of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, these, these, these high volume practices that, that really need two to three people per hour in um, the, on a clinical on a clinician schedule to be profitable they're, they're having a hard time doing that. And a lot of that is because the consumer doesn't want to do that. They don't want to be around other people. Yeah. They don't want to be, you know, in an environment where there's a bunch of other people breathing heavy on, you know, arm bikes or whatever they're using in there now. <laughs> and, and, and it, that like they're choosing to do other things. So a lower, uh, a lower model in terms of total people coming in, like a, like a fee for service, cash practice, one-on-one model, what that does, it's a, there's appeal there because of controlling the environment more. And, people are willing to go to a place where the environment is controlled more so now than ever, even if you're not directly in that in network with their insurance, it's not like their mm-hmm. back pain went away. So, you know, I think it's a unique opportunity in that setting to, to do so. But if that's you and you're like a clinic director and you've been working really hard on, you know, con ed or whatever, and, 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 and you're an amazing clinician and you're the most expensive clinician in the, uh, you know, clinic that you're at or that you're, you know, the most expensive, you know, in terms of a couple practices, maybe you, you oversee those you're at the, you're probably the most likely to let get let go. And if you haven't already been let go, I had a probably half dozen people that I talked to that were 10, 20 years into practice that had lost their job. And it was basically because they were making 50 to a hundred percent more sometimes than a new, new grad student. And when you look at the numbers, if they're, if they're charged, if they're, you know, billing insurance, insurance doesn't care if you have 20 years under your belt in a fellowship, or if you just graduated a day ago, they, they reimburse you the same. So when you look at the numbers, if somebody costs 60 grand and the other person costs 110 and you have to make a decision as a business owner about who you're going to keep, guess who you're going to keep is the cheap one because they can still generate, you know, the same amount of revenue, but they don't cost you as much. So they're a more valuable employee from a labor efficiency ratio standpoint. So, you know, if that's you, it's it's a tough place to be, but I think you also have to realize this. It's this idea we were talking about before we, we jumped on the podcast of 
you know, what you've been told to focus on and what you actually need to focus on if you're looking to try to generate time and financial freedom, they're, they're two different things. And, you know, Shantae, you, you've, you've learned this, right? So like yes. your, yes. your clinical skill set you needed to become an instructor, right? And then you started to build this platform and, and improve your marketing capacities and your sales capacities and product creation and, and all of this. But like of those things, what has dramatically changed your life more, your clinical abilities or your ability to sell and market? Hands down the ladder, Danny. Ability to sell and market, 100%. Yeah, and and this is where most of our profession, 100%. a really healthcare profession in general, misses the mark. Big time. We think, you know, and I was very much like this too. Man, I can't tell you how many con ed courses I went to in the first two years that I was out of school because I thought, uh, you know, okay, I'm just going to learn everything I can. I'm going to become the best clinician in the world. Literally, if somebody asked me what my goal is and I got out of, out of school, that's what I told mm-hmm. them. I was like, I'm going to be the best physical yeah. therapist in the world. And uh, yeah. they were like, wow, okay. And that's a big goal, right? But I was like, hey, if I miss it, at least I'm going to be really good. <laughs> you know, yeah. so totally. So, so I dove into all kinds of stuff. But, you know, when, when I got out of practice or when, when I got into practice for myself, it was super helpful. But, but what really helped me back more than anything, I didn't know how to get people in the door and I had go. no sales skills whatsoever. So, it didn't help me at all when they got there because they didn't come back. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you have to look at this in terms of like a pyramid, right? So in school, you're told you got to focus on, you know, you got to work hard. Hey, you got to work hard. You got to study and you got to work a bunch of hours and you get out of school and then you can pay your student loans off. That's what we're all, you know, kind of focused on initially. So the, the, the clinical, like think of a pyramid, the bottom of that is like your clinical skills. So you're focusing on working hard, you know, putting the time in and, uh, and, and, and having that full-time job. Now, the next step above that, and you have to look at like the, the, the steps of this pyramid. If you're saying like the middle of the pyramid would be management, you, you have more value than a clinician, just a straight clinician, because what you're doing is you're managing other people, you're mentoring people. So you, you provide more value. You don't, maybe don't necessarily bring in more money, but you're more valuable because you solve a problem for the owner. So mm-hmm. when you look at that, you're like, you're at that point, you're focused on clinical mastery and education of other providers and management of those providers. So you're mentoring them. So that's the, that's the area that you focus on. Now, that's worth slightly more. You get paid slightly more. There's still a really hard ceiling right there in terms of what you're actually going to make. Now, the top of that, which nobody really focuses on until they go into business for themselves and there's a rude awakening of what actually happens <laughs> is what we call rainmaker skills, which is sales and marketing. So you have to be able to get people in the door. You have to be able to talk to them about what they're there for, why they, they have this problem, and then how they, you can be the solution to that. And then that turns into a sale. And if you can do that effectively, then your business makes money. And you can also take those same skills. And this is what I think people need to realize as well. Maybe you don't want to have your own business, but you know what? You can go to any business. I don't care if it's a clinic, a clinic or a restaurant or whatever. If you could say, Hey, I can bring people in and I'll sell them your services. I want a percentage of that. Like who's going to say no to that? You could make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that for any number of different businesses and, or you decide you want to change careers. You know how to sell now. You go get a medical sales position or you go sell software yeah. and make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. You've now changed your trajectory doing something slightly different or apply it to your own business and work with the people the way you want because now you know how to get them in and you know how to get them to commit to you. And it's a completely higher level of, of value that you're creating, meaning you're going to make more money. It's remarkable. I love when you get going on on the sales and the marketing side of things, because like you said, hands down, we all go into it. And I, I think part of it, though, Danny, that separates you, separates me and other people is that even when your goal was the clinical side of things, it was to be the best. And you have you've always hammered this home, like, 
be the best. I don't care what it is you're doing. You got to become the best at it. When people, you know, start to say like, oh, I am the best clinician. You're like, I don't know. Are you? Because then people would probably be talking about it. So, but maybe you actually aren't. So one of the things I want you guys to, to take away and realize that he's saying here, and maybe, you know, kind of slip that in there, being the best at it, be, putting in the time that it takes to really, you know, refine these skills. And by no means shitting on the clinical side of things, because yeah, you do need to be able to actually get the results so that people come back. If they don't get better, you know, as nice as you are, they may be like, ah, I, my, my shit still hurts. Uh, but we're going into these things, doubling down and being like, I am going to be the best. So what about the flip side of that, Danny? So right now you said we have the person, and this is something that I didn't even think about until you said it like whatever, five minutes before um, we started talking. I had never even thought about this, that people are overqualified and that they'll be the first to go. Like, I think there's like a safety of like, well, I'm good at this profession and I'm good at my job. And like, you know, Seth Godin says it, playing it safe is risky, but people don't realize that. So we've talked about those people. What about the the people that maybe are the newer grads or people that kind of want their own their own thing? They're just like, yeah, I didn't like that big model anyway. Yeah. What do you have in terms of steps, strategy, thoughts there? So I think that what you said earlier, it, you know, really is spot on. You know, people are going to realize, hey, it, was that the life that you wanted, right? Mm -hmm. the, the life that you were living, is that the life that you wanted? Or is the life that you have now that's been forced upon you something you actually enjoy more? Now, if you are un, if you're on unemployment and you think you can ride that out the rest of your life, I have bad news for you. You can't. <laughs> but if you would like to have a remote you know, business and you want to work less hours in person, that is very possible. If, if you decide, you know what, I miss being in the clinic, but I sure as hell don't miss working with all those work comp patients. Guess what? Now you can decide what you want to do. And, I, and what I've gotten from people, this, this is probably the most overwhelming statement that I've heard. And it's the reason why to this day, I talk to so many random strangers that are, you know, clinicians, uh, you know, on the phone. And it's because I get to hear and I have a finger on the pulse of what is going on. And over and over and over again, you know, we, we hear people say, if, if I could never have to work for somebody else again in the rest of my life, that would be amazing. Like mm -hmm. that, that would be it. If you, if I could be my own boss and I could do things the way that I want to, and, and it's, it sounds appealing. I used to think the same thing until I was actually my own boss and realized <laughs> that I was working for a lunatic because I didn't have any structure. You know, I had created this this cage for myself that was, was, uh, was my business. And, and this is one of the reasons why I've spent so much time learning this stuff is because you have to do it the right way. Otherwise it becomes worse and you end up working at all the time and you're stressed all the time. So, you know, understanding that ending, have whatever you want. Uh, but, but I think that for, for what you brought up, a lot of this is people's belief in what's possible, right? Like mm -hmm. I used to think, I mean, all I wanted to do when I got out of the army was replace my income. I remember it was like $7,600. Uh, pre pre tax, okay. So mm -hmm. That that's what I needed to replace, and that's all I want to do. That was my entire business goal, entire business goal with athletes potential. I was like, hey, if I can do this, I'm good. <laughs> I don't want anything yeah. else, right? That was mm -hmm. it. How small of thinking is that, right? And as I started getting around other people, other entrepreneurs, I started to realize, like, man, like this, these people aren't much different. I, I remember I, I have a friend. She's still a good friend of mine, and. She owns a juice company. It's like $50 million juice company. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. Crazy. Right. And wow. she's an absolute badass. She's one of my favorite people. And, you know, but I remember sitting down next to her and she's super unorganized. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and she's like still writing everything down on like a paper notebook and she forgets things quite a bit and i'm like man i thought this was like some kind of super mm -hmm. and i realized like she's not any different than me i think she's way smarter yeah. than me to be honest with you but like she's not willing to work harder she's not better with people mm -hmm. she's not willing to learn you know more than i am like we're similar but yet she has this massive company and she has all these employees and she's, you know, she's super successful in many other ways as well outside of her business. And I, I just saw that as like something that I thought was appealing. And, and also, I don't know if you've been watching the Michael Jordan documentary. I think a lot of people obviously have, cause there's not much to do, but I think, you know, he's kind of a psycho. All right. So if you look at, uh, he met, he fabricates these stories in his head of like people that have done him wrong <laughs> so he can motivate himself. <laughs> and what's funny is I kind of do the same thing. Cause I, and I was like, oh damn, I get competitive. I'm like, how does, why does she have a $50 million company? Like I should have a 50 million. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's the next goal, right? Not there yet, by the mm -hmm. way, but still I look at it as, as somebody I can compete with in a completely like positive way. Like, I don't want, yeah. bad. I just, I just think, man, somebody to catch up to. Right. But if you've, ever, if you've never been around anybody like that, if you've never talked to somebody like that, how do you know what's possible? Like no one's challenging you. Yes. It's huge. And I think that. You, you started, you know, talking about it, and I'm sure you're going to go more into it, but this whole mindset thing, and uh, there's, there's there's so much complexity and nuance to it where, and I, I deal with the people, you know, I see it in the people that I coach now, where it's one thing to put yourself into a situation where you're around other people who are earning that. It's a completely separate thing to be able to be like, why not me? Right. Because so many people will be able to go into a conference. That's why these conferences have a bazillion people at them. Right. And yet only like one person succeeds, yeah. right? Where they can get into the environment. But then like, they don't do anything. They don't, they're not able to internalize it. They have these these blocks. Any thoughts there, Dan? So I, I like the, uh, I think it's called the cognitive triangle. Um, I, I think I sort of bastardized a little bit in, in terms of my own thoughts on this. But basically, uh, imagine a pyramid, okay? At the top of the pyramid is thoughts. At the bottom of the pyramid, on one side is behavior, uh, or 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 you could sub actions, and then on the other side, on the bottom, would be emotions or or feelings. All right. So what you have is thoughts, actions, and emotions. But draw arrows in between all of them, but they're they're pointing um, each both directions because they all mm -hmm, each mm -hmm. other. Okay. So if, if we yes. start at the top, and we think, okay, thoughts. Well, what they do is they affect how we feel and how we act. So they affect the other two. Now, emotions. Emotions affect what we think and what we do. So thoughts and behaviors or actions. And then actions is affects what we think and how we feel. So when we look at these at this triangle, and I and 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 stop me if this is, is not making sense. I'm trying I'll try to go. You know, visually this would probably make a lot more sense. But if you think about this, thoughts, actions, emotions, all affect each other. What's the first place that we can start that's probably the easiest? And 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 for most people, it's their thoughts. And mm -hmm. someone told me this one time, and I explained this to my son the other day, and he kind of, he kind of blew me off. He was just like, "Whatever, Dad." <laughs> and and I, I wish that he would have, I wish that he would internalized this because he, he he got kind of upset because there were some some older oh, kids yeah. like riding their bike, and he he was over there to ride her bike. He doesn't know these kids. He was over there to ride his bike, and they're basically get out here, little kid, you know, because they're like twelve and he's eight. And he comes back and he's just like, people don't like me. And I was like, Jack, um, eight, they're twelve. They don't want to <laughs> be around you. And he was like, I don't think people like me. And, and I go, well, that's what mm. you think. Like, those are your thoughts. And I was like, I go, now, who owns your brain? He goes, I do. 
I was like, so, okay, so if you own your brain, you can have it do whatever you want, right? He goes, yeah. I was like, well, then you can stop thinking that people don't like you because it's not true. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, whatever, dad. <laughs> and he laughed. <laughs> but what I wanted you to think about is this. If we're conscious of this, right, we're aware of the fact that, like, we can do whatever the hell we want, you know, in terms of uh, inside the law. Let's put it that way, right? You can't be a... Yes, yes, yes. But, yes. you know, let's say you want to, I don't know, be an astronaut. Let's, you know, let's, let's say you want to be whatever you want to do. Okay, you have to, first of all, think it's possible. Right? Yes. And, and, yes. and more than anything, stop all the negative stuff that is is basically pushing you back down. And you'll get this from a lot of people. It'll be the people around you typically more than anything. And it's not that they... It's not that they don't want to see you be successful. What they don't want is to see you be different. They don't want to see you get hurt. They don't want to see you stick your neck out there and fail because they care about you, right? But they're also somewhat scared of if you progress and, and you move on, like, are you going to leave them behind? So yes. they, they, they hold on to that. And then you have these negative thoughts and these negative feelings associated with what people are telling you, and that affects your behavior. So instead of you saying, yeah, you know what? I do want to learn how to sell things. I do want to improve my ability to market and, and be able to have my own business and, and whatever and change, you know, my family's, uh, you know, financial and, and time future for, for generations. Well, if you don't have the thoughts that that's possible, how are you going to have the actions associated with that uh, as well? Because, because they, they bleed into each other. Yep. yep. That's so, so good. You guys that are listening I know we have a movement-based crowd. We have a really educated crowd. And this should speak to you on such a science level. Yes, people talk about, you know, the universe conspires. I believe in that too. But if you think about this from pure neurology, right, if you, with your brain as the, the, the center there, if you tell, if you believe, like, I cannot do this thing, I cannot hit that lift, what happens? You don't hit it. It's not like a surprise, like, oh my God, and then I hit it. No, because your nervous system said, well, it's not safe to do that. Why am I going to expend any kind of energy, give you the strength, give you the ability to do that? You first have to believe, I can do this. I am going to do this. I'm going to, I don't want to say shortcut things, but I want to, you to talk then, because you have your true triangle here, thoughts, emotions, and actions. We know then we can kind of start to, I don't want to say trick, but jumpstart the nervous system there with action because it's translated into behavior many times faster than uh, visual cues and things like that. What about then for people that get stuck with thoughts and we understand we need the positivity to kind of lay the framework? Um, what about taking action first and perhaps any kind of um, behaviors, posturing, things like that, that can help with creating this better mindset. Yeah, I, I think that if you're looking at actions, the the easiest place to start is something that's going to create a habitual change, right? And for many of us, it can be literally something as simple as reading two pages of a book that's going to help you each day. Two pages. Like give yourself something super simple and just say, hey, two pages before I go to bed. That way, all right, now, you, now you've done it for like five, seven days in a row. Cool. You're, you know, a chapter or two in. And you start to develop this habit. It starts to become part of your routine, part of your nighttime routine. Now, all of a sudden, you're reading before you go to bed. So you're getting better sleep probably, right? Or my favorite thing that I like to do, and this is a little bit more extreme for people, is to start just start wake up early. And mm-hmm. I think you have to, to realize that like people have their sweet spots. Some people work really well in the mornings. Some people work really, really well in the evenings. And, and that can be pretty hardwired. But what I've seen, um, you know, is, is people that wake up early, are very productive, very productive. And they 
basically dictate what happens in their day instead of letting their day dictate what happens to them. And I, there's a reason why I wake up early every day. Like rarely, occasionally, like if I'm not feeling so well, I'll sleep in um, later. But I, I cannot stand it. And look, my kids are awesome. But like when my kids start my day for me, my day does not start well. I mean, it is, I feel disoriented versus today. And I was up, yeah. I worked for two hours before they, they even got up um, on, on a project I'm working on. And they, my day was great because I had my coffee. I started my day. I was super productive. I can accomplish nothing the rest of the day. And it's a win for the day. Like today was a good day. And I look at how many of those days can be productive. So think about waking up early and think about reading, like reading a couple pages a day. Now you could also sub audiobook into that. Like I am mm -hmm. an incredibly bad reader, so bad. And like to the point where I'd get called on in school to read out loud and I would just decline. <laughs> I got suspended one time from school because I, I just didn't want to read out loud. And the teacher was like, no, you don't get it. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you to read this. And I was like, listen, this is a new school. I just got here. Okay. I don't want to read out loud because I'm bad at it and it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> and the teacher, she's like, I don't care. I go, I'm not reading. <laughs> like, <"You're> so <laughs> that was it. So I, I read really slowly. Like th this is how bad it is. My kids oh. would rather put themselves to bed than have me read to them out loud. Danny. <laughs> My wife's an amazing reader. She reads Harry Potter to them. I try to read it. She reads it in like multiple voices and stuff. And I'm like super, like, uh, it's bad. So we all have our strengths. Yes, and reading for me. So for me, like what the time it takes to read a book is so long. Like, no, yeah. it takes me so long to read a book. And, but what I found is I'm a much better auditory learner. Like I can listen mm -hmm. to podcasts, which is one of the reasons why I gravitated to it. I can listen to audiobooks and I can retain a shitload of stuff that way, way faster than, a, than reading a book. So maybe for you, if you're like that, then it's listening to an audiobook. But what I can tell you is if you don't start some sort of positive habit, like you, you're, you, if you just keep watching meaningless YouTube videos and taking up your time yep. and, and just hoping that the day is over so you can wake up and start it all over again and maybe it'll be better. It's just not going to happen. But again, a lot of this comes back to your thoughts, right? So like, what what, what is it about taking action, you know, that stops most people? And, and a lot of it from what I've seen is that they feel like they, A, aren't, aren't worth it. They have this imposter syndrome. Like I can't do it because mm -hmm. I'm not like, I don't have a book or I don't teach internationally or whatever it might be. The, the imposter syndrome is huge. And the other thing too, I think for them is they're confused. They don't know where to start. There, mm -hmm. there's so many things that you have to understand, right? And when you start to get some help with that, and this is where you and I have seen such crazy changes with people is they have this desire to change. They don't know where to start. Like all you got to do is give them direction, hold them accountable, let them do their thing and realize that along the way, they're not going to, they're not going to get everything right on the first try. And when they fail, that's fine. Like you have to look at this yeah. as don't look at it as a failure. Look at it as part of the process. You're learning, like learning. Think, yeah. think about whenever, you know, anything, being a clinician, riding a bike, playing a sport. Like when you first started, you suck at anything. <laughs> the only reason that you still suck at something is because you've never put enough practice to get better at. That's it. That's it. Danny, I want to keep going with that sucking at things. Uh, it's my firm belief, and I was there as well, and ties into this concept of thoughts and the excuses that we make so that we don't have to do things. Um, 
but sales, right? Sales as it relates to our profession. And anyone listening to this, please, you guys know, I say this all the time, listen around the edges. Danny did a great job in the beginning saying how like, this applies to you and this other kind of program and this other kind of school. So I'm talking to physical therapists in particular, but it applies to anyone. Um, but PTs are terrible at sales. They tend to make the excuse and when say they, I mean, I did it too of like, oh, I don't like selling and it's like car sales mini and like, I just want to help people. And a lot of this is coming from the fact that either you have issues with money or you suck at sales. Yeah. And so you're like, I don't like that thing. In terms of getting started, Danny, what can people do to, in terms of getting started and getting better, I guess I should say? I think the first place to start is, is where we're starting right now. So, you know, my, my belief is 80% of sales is conviction. 20% is communication. So listening and communicating is 20%. And, but most people are just like, dude, give me, give me a script, right? I'm like, that would be like me giving you uh, a Ferrari and you not knowing how to drive stick. Like, I'll figure it out. Fancy <laughs> car and go nowhere. So what, what you have to what you have to realize is you have to earn the right to use the tactics by being there mentally to be able to uh, be confident enough around people to where they trust that you're the right person to help solve the problem. Yes. Like, let's 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 put this in perspective. Like we sell something that is so goddamn hard to sell, so hard to sell. Mm -hmm. I, I could, I'm sure of this. If I went yep. and I got like some, some shit people really like, like, let me go sell Zoom software. I don't know. Something that's awesome <laughs> that people need and they know they need it. Like you kill it, rush yep. it. Yeah, right? it's true. Versus let me sell you delayed gratification where you have to put a bunch of work mm -hmm. in. There's probably going to be some pain. There's probably going to be some discomfort associated with the things we're going to do. And we're going to ask you to make difficult, habitual life decisions. <laughs> People have to be in a real terrible. negative place, really need help to be able to uh, get to a point where they're ready and willing to work on themselves. How many people are walking around in pain all day long out there? Yeah. Like that That's the thing. I look at this and people are like, oh man, this clinic down the street, like they're going to take all my people. It's like, no, learn how to get in front of more people, educate them because there's a shitload of people that are hurt out there don't even know who you are or what you do. So that's it. part of this, and the, the biggest part of this is conviction. Now, conviction comes yes. down to your belief, your, your unwavering belief that what you do is important and valuable. And the, the, the thing that I always go back to, because for me, I didn't really think of this as, a, a, I guess, a big part of being able to sell. And so what I did was for years, I dove in. I, I mean, I went into so many different sales trainings, books audiobooks, podcasts, mentorships, all the stuff that was all about tactics, tactics, tactics. Cause I thought all I needed was to learn how to be, let me, let me learn the psychology of sales from an FBI interrogator, right? Like, okay, yes, I I've learned that shit, but I can tell you this much. It's not going to do anything. If you don't honestly believe that what you do is valuable and important. And this is the way that I always kind of go back to this. Think about the alternative. Like if somebody comes in my office, here's what I think about. If this was my mom or my dad, Right. Like my dad had knee surgery recently. He had, he had a knee replacement like a year ago and long time coming. He tore his ACL back when he was in the army decades ago, back in the day when they used to take the whole meniscus out. Right. So they would just like remove the whole. Mm -hmm. So he's just terribly arthritic knee. Couldn't even bend it. He needed surgery. Right. But let's say that was that was, you know, my dad and I go to a visit with him. And he doesn't need surgery. Maybe he's been told that he does. Maybe he's gotten bad information about his knee. But really, it's just stiff and he needs to do some work and, and gain a little bit of strength back and some mobility. And, you know, I, I'm going to be the assistant buyer with him there. 
because I, I'm informed on this and I'm going to help him make a better decision on what he should and shouldn't do because I don't want to see him have a needless surgery. I don't want to see him, you know, go get an injection that's going to cost him a few thousand bucks. It probably isn't going to do anything. I don't want him to get imaging that he doesn't need. I don't definitely don't want him taking any sort of narcotic based pain medicine just so he can get through the day. So for me, if he finds somebody that can conservatively help him solve this problem is going to really teach him and work with him and, and, and be an advocate for him, I want him to work with that person. So when I'm working with somebody that, that comes in my office, I'm thinking them as uh, thinking of them just as if my parent was there. And mm-hmm. if, if they leave and they don't commit to solving this problem, I know what the outcome is and it's not good. I know it's a ton of waste of time. It's way more money than what we're talking about, even though they might think that the service that we have is expensive. But in, in comparison to all the other things that end up happening to people, figuring out what's actually going on with them, it's a huge waste of, of money and resources. Not only that, but like stopping them from hearing bad information. How many people go to and get surgeries that are unnecessary on a daily basis? Jesus, Danny, right? it's fucking- If that person leaves my office and I haven't done a good enough job of convincing them that we're the right fit for them, and this goes both ways, by the way, I, I have to be ethical and consistent with this. If someone doesn't belong in my mm-hmm. office, they need to be referred somewhere else. You cannot mm-hmm. say anybody that comes through here, I'm gonna you know, try as hard as I can to sell them because you can't do that and, and, and have the moral compass necessary to have the conviction to where people are gonna believe you're the right fit. You have to be able to send them away as well. And I, that, should, yep. that should be, we shouldn't even have to talk about that, but we do because some people take but it's a thing. and they, they use it in, in a nefarious way that's not necessarily how we wanna teach it. So for me, if they leave, I look at the alternative. The other thing is I look at, I look at the little miracles that we perform every single day. And I think that if you're getting down on yourself and you have imposter syndrome, you know, all you got to do is look at an email from a patient thanking you for all the help, the, the things that you've helped them get back to, uh, a, a positive yeah. review that somebody left, you know, you know, a, a voice message that somebody left you, you know, letting you know, hey, man, I was, I was able to play golf, you know, this weekend and like my knee wasn't bothering me. This is awesome. Like think of all the people that you help and get positive reinforcement from the outcomes that you actually help people get. That will put you in a much better position to have conviction in what you do because you remember man, I do help people do these things. I am really good at this. Like, and I give a fuck. Like, that's probably the that's biggest it. factor of whether somebody's going to trust you or not. Like, t- tell me this. If you if you go to any sort of store, you, you go buy, you know, food for your cat. How, how's your cat, by the way? I didn't even ask you about your cat. She's doing great. Okay. This is, a, I'm like interested where this is going because this is like a big deal, going to try yeah. and get food and things. You know, You're like, you this is You go to the store, big. right? Yeah. And you go to the store and you say, hey, I'm at the cat store. Let me get some cat food. What's the best kind of food for my cat? What kind of cat is it? Uh, he's a Russian blue. Jeez, that sounds fancy. Okay. Russian. He's fancy, right? He's Russian blue. I mix. got a Russian blue. <laughs> like, what kind of cat should I feed them? And this person's like, oh my God, I love Russian blues. Russian blues genetically can only digest certain types of grains. So you have to make sure that you get this kind of food over here. And I know it's a little bit more expensive, but it's going to save you a ton in the long run by not having digestive problems and any number of other things that can, you know, come from a poor diet for this cat, you know, and, and it starts talking to you about your cat and like, hey, what about like scratchers? Like they're super smart. They want to be like neurologically, you know, challenged as well. And like next thing you know, you end up leaving that store with like $300 worth of cat shit. But the reason that you did that is because this person was so fascinated about you having an amazing experience with your cat. Like that's it. It's, it's, it has to come from a place of actually caring about people. And it doesn't matter what you sell if you're fascinated with it. We just get to sell, helping people get back to fun shit in life and extending their life. Like, how fucking awesome is that? What's that worth? What's the ROI on that? Like, how do you say 
what's the ROI on five more years with your family where you get to be active and enjoy your body with them in a way that you want? What's that work? Oh, man. I love that I have a podcast because of this. I say this so many episodes, but when you get a guest like Danny who comes in, you can hear the passion in their voice. It's funny. It's very meta right now because you can hear the passion as he's talking about being passionate about the things that you do. I think, Danny, you've hit on something so central to all of this and it's why I send so many people your way and why I will promote your stuff to no end it is very difficult to give a fuck it is very difficult to be passionate it's very difficult to believe in your product when you are in a mill totally totally you just inherently can't do it you may you you likely went into this profession because you believed in it, because of all of this excitement that Danny is, is speaking about, you went into this profession for that. And actually, I don't know, maybe last episode I had uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Peter Wang on, and he has his own practice. He works for himself. It's very small. And he was talking about when he was, we actually went to PT school together, and he was talking about when he had a friend, when he was working in a mill, and he had a friend that was like, yo, Pete, I sprained my ankle. Can I come see you? And Peter was like... Uh, I don't know, man, like maybe you should go somewhere else. He was that just disenchanted by his own product and didn't believe in it because he knew he's like, I can't deliver what I want because you're you're kind of like shackled in this and, you know, you have such a small amount of time and you're doing the best you can. I get it. You really are. But it's so difficult to deliver these things and to refine your sales skills because one, they're just feeding you patients anyway. So you're kind of just like, oh, well, I don't have to even really worry about that. But two, you don't, it's very difficult to bring that passion day in and day out because you're seeing a gazillion people and you're not even sure if like you're helping them, right? You're just like, I don't know if I can even believe 100% and say that I am delivering the best product, which is why you guys know that I really push this. Not, not everyone has to start their own company or anything like that, but for those of you that are thinking about it and you're realizing, hey, maybe there's a better way for me to deliver this thing, this is why I push you towards Danny because this is is what he does. I want to go ahead. I think of it like a little fire. Okay. Like think, think about this. When you came out of school, imagine like fire, like you have this little campfire, but it's, it's like your intensity, your, your desire to go out and like, you know, change the profession. Like where, where, how big was your fire when you left school? Fire was pretty big. It was pretty big. I was like, I'm going to go. Did it start to like, Danny, it got like fucking doused, man. Like the fire truck came and it just put it out. This is what happens to most people, right? Like, I remember, man, how fucking exciting was graduation? Awesome. Don't have to take a test anymore. Like, this is going to be great. I'm about to go out and change some fucking lives. And then, you know, you're you're just deep in the redundancy of the clinic over and over and over again. They're talking about relative value units and your CPT codes and all those other bullshit and make sure you do this you know uh additional assessment because now this is what medicare says that you need oh and by the way they're going to pay you less now just because it's a different year and that's what they always do so like you're of course your little fire just gets you know dwindles and it and it dies and it dies and it dies and what i see and what i found i was there too and for me that that fire grew again whenever i started to be able to be creative and do my own thing and yeah. And I think for many people in our profession, they get to this point where they realize, man, I just don't feel like going to work anymore. Like, I don't want to get in my car and drive there because, like, I hate being there. And I don't like the people that I'm around and they, 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 they suck all my energy because 
you know, it's, it's just, it's just not my people. It's not the people I'm passionate about working with. And that's okay. That's fine. You don't have to feel bad about that. But what you have to realize is how long can you do that before it starts to affect people around you, starts to affect your own personal uh, and physical and mental health. And this is why we see such a big problem with it in the profession. But, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that every single person that comes out of you know school, whether you're a massage therapist, chiropractor, you know, naturopath, PT, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like you get, you help people. And if you can help people, you can have a business that's uh, in, in conjunction with that. Now, for me, I think uh, damn near anybody, anybody could start a side hustle. And I don't see any reason why they wouldn't, because th- let's talk about just the finance of that for a second. Like what if you can start a side hustle and just make an extra thousand dollars a month? That's it. That's the most success you ever have in your life. But you have this thing you like to do. You make an additional thousand dollars a month and you still have your job. Does that change your financial position significantly? Does that does that change your ability to provide for your family, pay off your student loans, you know, any number of other things like an extra thousand dollars can be a massive difference for people. And the only reason that they don't do it is because they're scared to get turned down, which brings us right back to where we started. You know, we were talking about your thoughts leading to actions Mm -hmm. and your emotions. So you have this fear, you have anxiety. Anxiety is an emotion. That emotion mm-hmm. stops you from taking action because the thoughts you have are of people turning you down. What if they don't like me? What if they reject me? What if they think I suck? What if they tell other people I suck? Well, that's you thinking that shit. That's not actually happening. <laughs> and you, it's your brain. That's what I was trying to tell my son the other day. It's your brain. You can stop the thoughts that you don't want to have because they're not yeah, Thanks, Dad. We're just making this shit up in our head. And if you realize that, if you can take anything away from this, but please, if you take anything away from what we're talking about, realize that you have to carefully pay attention to the thoughts that you have and get rid of the negative ones as much as you possibly can and focus on the things that you know you need to do to drive momentum forward and take the actions that you need to take to really put yourself in a place where you want to be. Because if you understand that, just that one concept, so many things are going to be better for you. So many things. You'll have so much less stress and anxiety and you'll have much more conviction in what you're doing. And that is infectious. People can tell. People can tell if you yeah. have conviction and are confident in what you do. Not arrogant. Confidence without humility is arrogant. Mm-hmm. We're not arrogant. We want to be confident and we know we can help people. And when you come into a scenario like that, and you can do this in the office, practice this shit. Practice this with a bunch of people that are getting put on your schedule. Well, I'll tell you the sign. It's not sales via revenue. It's sales via compliance. If you can get some work from mm. people to do what the hell you want them to do on a regular basis, like that's a hard sale. That's a regardless focus, like sharpen your skill set there. You start working on that. Then you can start working on things that are going to generate business for yourself. I like that sales via compliance. I like that. I want to keep going with this, this business revenue and different, different forms and shapes as people are going back to clinic right now, practice right now, whatever it is that they, that they do. I think some people are, are, Hopefully they got a little bit of seed planted and they're like, there should be, there could be a better way than what I'm doing. Uh, Especially if all they were offering is one-on-one services. One of the things that you've had some success with and you're just really good at at selling, at talking about, at teaching um, is this membership model, which for many people, they may not even know we're talking about. Um, And especially in the PT world, we've seen it in the gym world. Um, But can you provide us some insight with this concept of something besides a one-on-one, a one-to-one, you know, one-on-one sale yeah. uh, and for service, um, fee for service there? This is, there's so much low-hanging fruit in our industry with this. 
So I'll give you a good example and we'll talk about specifics with this, but like we work with a group uh, that is, uh, is a hybrid practice, but they were heavily insurance based practice um, out in Kansas. And they, uh, their goal was to move, basically flip it. They were like 70% or 80% insurance maybe. And they wanted it to be closer to like 20, 30%. And the, the probably biggest variable that we were able to adjust with them quickly was the addition of a continuity program onto their practice. So membership, if you want to you know, call it that, is basically interchangeable. Mm-hmm. So this idea of like selling continuity or memberships um, as a discharge strategy is incredibly effective. And what was funny is, you know, the guy that owns the practice, super sharp guy, and he's like, dude, I've never thought about doing this because the, that's not the traditional model. The traditional model is, you know, get them in, wait till their benefits are done, discharge them, right? Get as many visits under your belt as you can uh, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, make it profitable for the practice, but then discharge. And what ended up happening was they basically just added on some, some continuity um, options that were more wellness performance based. Um, and they slowly started to change that. And now I think that where they're at, they're, they, they saw basically a 30, 37 or 38% increase in their total revenue from a, a, a comparison of a four month period uh, before we started working with them and four months that we started work that, that we actually worked with them uh, almost a hundred percent from sales improving their ability to sell and adding on a continuity backend option which is a membership option and this is why you know if you look at the the benefit of this if you have somebody coming in and let's just say like like one of our continuity options is we do we do uh, uh, monthly programming for people and it's 200 bucks we don't actually do it we have a strength coach that we partner with that fulfills it we just sell it um and Mm. discharge strategy. So we said, Hey, you know, and we, and the thing is if you're selling continuity for selling membership stuff and you have somebody in the office, it needs to be part of the discussion from visit one, it first phone call if possible. And part of this is what's called, it's, it's, it's a strategy called future pacing or future framing where you're, 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 you're basically planting seeds in people's mind of things that you want them to do eventually. My daughter does a shit to me all the freaking time. And <laughs> And I, I love it and I reward it when she does it. She, I had to make her some hot chocolate because she beat me in this, uh, we had this little football net um, that has like different targets on it. And she beat me in this little throwing game. So some hot chocolate. And I, uh, I'm making her hot chocolate and she's like, you probably didn't put marshmallows in it already, did you? And I wasn't planning on putting any marshmallows in this. And she says that to me and she stands there kind of smirking at me and I was like, not yet, but I will. <laughs> and there you go. There you go. <laughs> me. She, she, Look I, at that. I was going to put marshmallows in, but I wasn't planning on it. So if you can say, you know, like, Hey, you know, yeah, I know your back is bugging you now and it sucks because you've had back pain for five, six years. You've seen a bunch of different people and it's really frustrating, but imagine how awesome it's going to be to be able to pick things up, you know, off the ground without your back hurting anymore to be able to interact with your kids. And I have to worry about, you know, where are you going to tweak your back, get them out of the bathtub and be a burden on your spouse and be able to do some high level strength and conditioning work. that's going to help you hit these physical goals that you have that you think aren't even possible right now. You know, and, and for us, most of our patients, most of our clients move over to being able mm-hmm. to do performance based work where they're actually working on getting stronger, dropping weight, becoming more mobile to where they're more active and are able to achieve physical goals they have outside of this clinic. Cause right now you're hurt, but you're not always going to be hurt. And 
So we plant that and we, we, we bring up all the, I, in that one phrase, I, I did a couple things. Number one, I validated that they have an injury. They're in the right place Two, I future paced him with looking at right now. Things suck, but guess what? In a couple months, this is going to be easy. And then from there, we added on mm-hmm. another layer of talking about a program that we have. That's all I would say. That's all I would say. I was like, and we can, we can address that at a, at a further time. We have a lot of work to do right now and, and we're ready to help you out. So from there, and this is what happened. We started doing this the right way. By the time that we were towards sort of like the middle to the end of working with somebody, they start actively, like proactively bringing up program. Yeah, I love They're it. like, hey, so when do you think I could start doing some of that programming you were talking about where like they tell me what to do in the gym and I have a coach and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, you know, we still want this and this to do to make sure that you're not going to hurt yourself whenever we get you these over things. That's the goal. So like yeah. that right there on the discharge strategy, from a membership standpoint, can snowball your cash-based revenue. I don't care if you're in an insurance practice or not. Like, it's an option you can give people, and if you don't give them something else to buy, they just won't buy anything else. Like, pe- people buy from you for two reasons: a, you pissed them off somehow; b, they have no other thing to buy. That's it. Yeah. That's so you either stop. I love it. <laughs> or you irritated them somehow. You know, and the likelihood of that is probably pretty low. So when we look at continuity, membership-based things. That's one way to do it in the office. The other way would be uh, not in a traditional brick and mortar, but we can talk about this in terms of, uh, you know, how you would do this over the phone. I think phone selling skills uh, may be one of the most important skills that you can develop because Mm -hmm. before somebody comes to your office, chances are you're going to have to talk to them on the phone. So, Mm -hmm. so understanding how to communicate with somebody and understand how to ask good questions and be able to have a cadence where, like, I think the best cadence for a conversation on the phone with someone's perspective client is about 30% talking from me or the the clinician or whoever you are, 70% prospect. So it should be a lot of questions, relevant questions to what's going on and actively listening. And even on the phone, here's the thing, even on the phone, people can tell if you're actively listening to them or if you are looking on some shit while you're listening to them. I can tell you can tell and it's the engagement you have, you know, it's, 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 and don't think about the next question you're going to ask, ask, think about what they're telling you and really like listen to it. And this is the thing, like, we're so good at this. We're so empathetic for people because that's our job. That's exactly what we do. Sales. That's it. Like we should be the best salespeople on the planet. And so when you, when you, when you get this down and you're able to talk to somebody on the phone, now you can position a couple different things. So here's what we see success with right now with, with, uh, with phone selling, which is basically, uh, here, here's a super simple funnel to, to kind of drive this. So basically understand who your, your, your home run person is. If, if you have to pick somebody that you could only work with, um, and the, and the deal is this, you're only going to get paid if they get the outcome that you say you can get for them. That's the only way you get paid. Who would you pick? That's how you define your, your customer. Who would you want to work with? Now, once you've defined that, understand their pain points, what problems do they have? Create content that's specific to that and start putting it out there. Start putting it out there and and talking to these specific problems. And from there, start interacting with people that interact with you to have conversations with them, message with them, get them on the phone. Get them on the phone to talk about what's going on and how you, how you can potentially help them. Now, once you're on the phone, you have to understand, do they have an active problem? They're hurt. That would probably go into a different bucket where maybe you're doing like telehealth visits with them. Let's, let's call it all mm-hmm, virtual. Mm-hmm. If they're not hurt, but they're looking for a solution to a problem, like let's say, here's a, a great example, running, okay? 
So we have a running package. Feel free to steal this because I you, you can un- completely understand what this package is. The linchpin is, can you sell the motherfucker? That's what the is. Now, That's here's what we got. Three visits, virtual visits. One is an assessment, a, a run assessment, and a movement assessment that's proprietary, like not proprietary, specific to runners. Uh, visit one. We have an eight-week program that they go through that is basically a strength and conditioning, movement, and mobility program designed to help runners solve the problems that we find on their run assessment and with their, their upfront screen. But it's already built out, and we basically uh, tweak it to customize it, and it's only about 80% change from what the template is over an eight week period. We have all these progressions built out. So it. it ends up taking us about 30 minutes to an hour to actually program this. So we have three visits where we do our virtual coaching calls, essentially check-ins, see where they're at, plus a program that's packaged up to solve their running related problems and that they understand how to take care of their body, their vehicle as a runner for the rest of their life. And the only reason they would want to stick around is that they like working with us. That's it. We sell mm-hmm. that for a thousand bucks. And we sling that shit for a thousand bucks like it's nothing on the phone because we understand how to sell that. Now, if you're a runner and you're like, man, I keep trying out these new running shoes. Nothing seems to change. I I rest. It goes away. I run. It gets worse. It happens to people all the time. But what they don't ever do is solve the problem. Like it shouldn't matter what shoes you run in. How do you run? Like if you have one ankle that doesn't move and one that does, you're going to have problems. Done. (laughs) So we find these things. We fix these things. And then we leverage that. And, and for us, it's, it's a four-hour essential cost for $1,000. So our, our average is 250 bucks. But we package it up and we create an offer that's enticing. Because for us, it's like, hey, have you ever had somebody watch you run? No. Have you ever had somebody take you through an assessment specific to a runner to find out where your, your asymmetries and your, your movement flaws are? No. Have you yeah. ever had somebody work with you over a period of time to really help fix your running and, and teach you how to, how to perform this? This is a complex movement. Now, well, that's probably your problem. So let me introduce you to X program. <laughs> this is what it, yeah, sure. and then you basically, all those pain points that they have, these are p- touch points in the offer, you know? And then for us, we, we even take it a step further. Like if you can decrease resistance and sorry, I'm rambling on this, but I just like this. Is something I've been doing. No, go ahead, man. So even if you can decrease resistance, here's the other thing, you know, we're like, look, we're going to have you use some self-release, uh, you, you know, uh, tools. Like we, we, we use, uh, yoga tune-up balls, the plus yoga tune-up plus Mm-hmm. And we're like, look, we're going to use it a lot. Don't even worry about getting on Amazon. I'm going to ship them to you. Or if you swing by the office, we'll give you a set. We want to make sure you understand Woo-hoo. like what you need. We don't want any resistance. Super, super easy. We're going to send you everything you need. We're going to build everything out for you. You can come in the office if you want. You can do this remote if you would like. doesn't matter. This is what we're doing. Solve the problem. And then make it as simple and easy for them as possible. And your, incre- your sales will increase dramatically because of that. It's like a no-brainer. Danny, I got a question. So in terms of, because this is a little bit of a different product. So if you're doing like an eight-week, it's like an eight-week coaching. uh, It's not really true continuity. It's like here's a a set program. If you have a continuity going on, I see you as being able to sell it very easily for someone that's a current client. I have people right now that are thinking about starting them, whether it's digital or in person. They're trying to start them like right now for people that are, I don't want to say cold, yeah, cold traffic, yeah, but like if this person hasn't worked with you, is that something that's feasible to do? Yeah, every single person that we've sold in that program, we've not worked with. That's literally cold traffic. These are not clients of ours. Now, uh, we haven't even tested it as a discharge continuity out. So here, here's where it gets really interesting. So let's say I have somebody that's a runner and they've got, they're banged up, right? So we're working on their knee. I see them five, six times, whatever. 
hey, guess what? I start planting the seed of this running program that we, you should go through that's going to build out all the stuff for you and get you back into on the performance side of things. We can scale it up or down as much as we need based on what your goals mm -hmm. are. You know, like one person we're working with, her goal is running her first 5K. One guy I'm working with is running his first uh, century. He's running his first 100. Uh, oh, two, two totally different goals. So we have to progress and regress uh, what their program is based on that. But it doesn't mean that the, the movement patterns are going to change much for what they need to do. And, 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 and a lot of that's the same, right? So like tendon health, you know, single leg strength, body weight control, you know, foot and ankle control, you know, cadence and working on their actual run form and actually helping them realize like, Hey, this is a skill and, and, and have drills in there to help them improve that. So none of that really changes, but this could be a discharge strategy with the runner that you're working with. And all of a sudden you can say, Hey, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to really own this skill, uh, to understand how to take care of yourself long-term. Like we fixed this problem. So we don't need to see you in here anymore. We need to do any of these things directly to help solve it but we want to teach you how to take care of yourself. Discharge strategy. Now for people that are, are completely virtual, th this is probably the, the best way to get started because one of the challenges that we see, and this is, I kind of tweaked somebody's offer the other day that's in our mastermind. And so, you know, he, he works with ACL patients, uh, and, uh, but, but mainly, um, not, not youth athletes. They're, you know, mm -hmm. they're older and every single, patient of his comes from Instagram, by the way. So obviously Shantae, you're, you're killing. Uh, so, but he gets these people to reach out to him. He gets on the phone with them. It's like a 15, 20 minute call. And you know, he's like, Hey, yeah, you know, it's 200 bucks a month. Um, you know, we, we test you every month. We progress you based on where you're at. You don't need to go to a PT clinic. You don't need to go to, you know, a, a gym. Like you do this at home. You can do this on your own. And for a lot of people that are busy professionals, like it's a huge selling factor. Like it's convenient. Mm -hmm. You still got a PT. You can reach out to if you have questions and he's grossly undervaluing what he can charge for this right now. And, yeah. but most people stick for like four months. So he's making like, you know, on average about 800 bucks. And so I told him, I said like, look, dude, Hey, next person you talk to package it up. It's, it's $999 and they get four months of work with you. That's the average of what you're seeing. Right. So four months after that, if they want to stick around, it's 250. And like so the next couple sales calls that's what he did package easy like yep. it was, was just like killing it because he had a good offer yep. you know of like that's it. And, and this is sort of like offer creation is is tough because number one i think one of the more this sounds silly but one of the most important things you can do name it like it's, yeah, it's true productize a service you you it's true. name it like give it a name oh this is our like Busy professional ACL program. That's a terrible name, but I'm just giving you an example. <laughs> but people would love it. They'd be like, oh, I'm a busy professional. And I turn my ACL. Oh, yeah, I right. need like, this. It all, <laughs> all so, spits. Right? Busy professionals that don't want to go to a, you know, a, a, an in-network practice where they're around a bunch of 65-year-olds that are working on their their uh, you know knee replacements. And they want to they be you know able to do things that are going to return them to a high level of training and sport. So solve the problem of not having to go somewhere and save time. You got questions. I answer it, make sure you don't have you know, any issues. We progress based on standardizing what's actually happening, you know, with your with your knee progress. So so every month, you know, and, and that's a huge selling factor for them too, because it's like, hey, you could do this number of, of whatever, you know, sit to stands or single leg, you know, squats to a to a bench or whatever. And then now you can do X amount more. Like look at the progress. So it's a great way to kind of mm -hmm. build that in. The other thing is time efficiency and scarcity. So if you can say, you know, I can solve this problem for you in less time. So many people are time sensitive. Like, like th think about yourself. If you, if you had to pay a thousand dollars to get a problem you had solved in half the amount of time, than if you paid 500 bucks, would you do it? 
Yeah, 100%. Totally. You're collapsing time. You're gaining that back. Yeah, 100%. So time efficiency is a huge selling factor. And the other thing is scarcity, you know, because you can't bring on that number of people each, each month. The first month is a harder onboarding process. So he's like, look, dude, I can bring on like six people a month, you know, with the process that we use. Right now I got four. I got two left. You want to jump in this month or not? Yeah, there you go. There you go. You've, you've, I don't want to say alluded to something, but one of the things that I see is an issue uh, with, with one of the reasons I see PT struggling and like personal trainers fucking killing it goes back to what you were saying before, mindset and confidence. I have grown to hate the response it depends when a PT says it because I am not so sure they're saying it because they're smart or because they're scared to commit to something and have an actual opinion. So there's a difference if like, yeah, it depends on what's the best exercise for you because of these, these you know, a million things. But a lot of the times I think PTs are saying it because they're just too damn scared to commit to something and actually have an actual opinion. I see the same thing in uh, PTs struggling to even think about offering other services. Danny just gave you a, a home run with the running program. I see people scared to do it and be more hands-off because they've like, there's so much ego in the delivery of the service where it's like, no, but I have to like be with this person and like change it every fucking day. And like, there's only like, it has to be so super specific and standardized or it won't work. And like, none of that's true. We need to, as a profession, take a step back, go back to the basics. Also, like Danny said, he, his original, uh, you know, foray into PT was like, I'm going to be the goddamn best. So whatever it is that you're doing as PT, like if you like ACLs, whatever, be the best at that thing. And then have the, the know-how, the understanding to be able to extrapolate and be like, yeah, these are the big things I have to hit with people so that they get better. So I get these consistent results, go and work with a lot of people, go get those results, bank on that, use that as your, you know, if you're trying to get imposter syndrome, whatever, use those results, use that feedback from people, and then understand how you can deliver your services to people in other ways. Because not everyone wants a one on one thing. Like we said, suppose you're the busy professional, like you don't want to be have to go in to do these things. So if you are, you know, any kind of movement professional, you're going back to, to clinic now, or, or you have had the great pause and like you're like man there must be a better way danny's just giving you 18 gazillion different ways but it all starts with that mindset with your thoughts with the confidence that you bring into everything not even just the sale but the product creation if you don't believe in your service you're not going to create a hands-off product because you're gonna be like there's no way that they could get better without me because like it all goes back to the same thing here's i think this is the other thing for people if they really want to gain some confidence with this just test offers i do this shit all the time like i'll get on i'll get on like the phone with prospective like patients or clients or whatever and if we're thinking about like like for instance this this running offer we didn't know people would buy it. I got them on the phone. I, I pitched it. They purchased it. We built it. So like you, you could test that. You could test different price points. Like this is what I typically have people do is just, Hey, if you think you have this idea, because, because look, this didn't come from just, I just read a book on running. Like I look back on it. I worked with 7,000 runners when I was in the art. 7,000. This is not an over-exaggeration. 7,000 over the course That's of time incredible, because everybody's a damn runner. It's the biggest problem that we have. And, and to say that you have to individualize everything, you know, specifically, it's not necessarily true because, you know, when I was, when I was in the army, I would have to work with a hundred runners at once on run form. 
how the hell do you do that? Mm-hmm. But you look for patterns. You look for you know, simplicity and, and verbal cueing and things that make sense to them that click so that you can help the majority of the group make an 80% change. You know, the other 20% is going to come from them doing a lot of individual work. But if you if you don't have a choice, like you have to do that. So what, what things would you do with somebody, whatever the niche is, that 80% that everybody needs to do, that everybody gets a huge return on? And then apply that in a way where you have a leveraged program. You can you can apply this in a, a group setting where you have group calls if you want to do that. You can do this one-on-one still where you have some individualization. I think that's an easier sell for most people because they understand that. It makes more sense to them. But like if you have an idea, do what I said. Interact with people on <laughs> online. Get them on the, on the phone if they look like a, a target client of yours. Uh, and, and then to have a conversation with them. Figure out what their pain points are. Position your package as an, as an opportunity to solve that. And then, you know, put it out there. And if they say no, guess what? It, it's, you're not going to die. Like, they said no to you. They turned you down. Okay, cool. I've been turned down a lot. Okay. And it used to hurt really bad. Now, it still kind of hurts, but like, I'm super used to it. It's so, it. I, I just, you know, it, it is what it is. You just you have to, it. you can't tie the outcome of that call to whether you're any good at what you do or not. You have to look at it as, it. man, I didn't do so, so well with that. I got to improve. Well, and here's another way you can do that. Record it. Record your call. Record mm, it and like share like a bunch of shit, but record it and use it for training for yourself. Like, man, I fumbled here. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. Or I probably shouldn't have said that because that was stupid. Uh, so make sure they write down not to say that crap again. Get on the phone. You know, that was stupid. And then pitch it again. And, it, and if you do a really good job of pitching it and nobody's taking it, your offer sucks. You have to come. But it's way better to have an offer that validates, uh, someone validates as being shitty than you building something you think is awesome and it actually being shitty and then wasting all your time on it. <laughs> uh, so I really like that you slid in there that it still, you know, bothers you. Like Danny's a human. Danny's not a sociopath or a psychopath. These, those things, like, we, they, they should, like, you know, hit you in some kind of way because you care. But it shouldn't stop you. And you're like, I can't do anything ever good again. So. It's just reps, right? Like, it, it comes down That's to, it. I think it could be just anything. You inoculate to it. So, like, yeah, first, yeah. I would get so nervous. So nervous. I would have to put, I would have to hit mute uh, whenever people were talking because I would be, like, breathing really hard. <laughs> and, like, it was it was bad. Like I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, I've best. had anxiety stuff I've had to work through for my, basically my whole life. And the, what's funny is entrepreneurship has forced me to work on that more than anything that I've ever done yes. in my entire life. You know, especially the army. So if you don't want to join the army and you want to really improve yourself personally, <laughs> this is probably the best opportunity to do so. But but yeah, I mean, part of it's reps, right? Look, we've had twenty six hundred people come through our practice. Many of them I've had individual conversations with either on the phone or in the office, you know, with it, with a first visit as a sales conversation as well. That's 28 or 2,600 people directly that I've talked to. I've talked to, I've had over 2000 sales conversations over the last four years on the phone with PT biz. That's 2000 people I've talked to. A small sliver of them had said yes to anything that we do. So that means I've been rejected a ton. And yeah, then you just start to get used to it. And I, I used to tie whether somebody said yes or no to whether we were any good at what we were doing. But that's a that's a huge problem. If you do that, you have to mm-hmm. realize like it's not fair for you because you don't know what's going on in that person's life. You don't know like wh- you know what stressors they're dealing with and real real life issues they have going on. It could have nothing to do. They they could absolutely that's do true. what they're doing, but they have these other things that are holding them back, and it's not the right time just yet. Just like you said, sometimes it's a timing issue, and I've noticed that as well. And and if you're pressing and you're trying really hard and you're putting all this pressure on yourself, like you're gonna have a really hard time because it's gonna come across in how you engage with people as well. 
It's so good. Danny, my bestie, I'm looking at the time uh, of this podcast and we're we're hitting about a minute and 10, which will be, it'll be a little bit longer when people listen to it because of that thing on the front end of it. So I want to wrap us up and then just bring you back for another and then another and another. But before I like let you go, is there anything else that you want to share that you haven't said that like just is you're feeling right now? No, I think... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch my tonality. I think that uh, no, it's, it, it's uh, look. We could talk about stuff all day. You know, I mean, I think it's, that's, that's what that's what's so fun about getting a chance to chat with you. It's just, uh, you know, I, I. It's funny. Like my kids are so similar to me. Like they're so excitable, and it's like, but what? what <laughs> is, I think that's something that is a, that has helped me. But when with our kids, yeah. it's a huge problem <laughs> in school. <laughs> so. For me, you know, I, I, I can, I get really excited about things. I, I'm just like very fascinated with this. I think it's, I think it is probably when we, when we look at like all these people that are down on the profession, the, mm-hmm. I don't see it that way at all. I think it just depends know, on what you see and who you're around. And like, yes. I see all this positive momentum. I see this, this absolute like revolution that's occurring and whether you see it or not, it, it just depends what you're looking at. And Part of that, and I think what a huge driving factor is people are realizing, like, dude, I got to understand the business side of this if I want to be self-sufficient and I want to do my own thing and impact more people. Because that's really what it comes down to, like your mission of impacting more people, helping more people. And if you can understand nice. how to get them in the door and get them to commit to you, you're going to you're gonna help a hell of a lot more people. So, you know, I'm excited to see the profession start to turn a corner to where it's not just, hey, let's go ahead and just like, you know, do everything we can to suck up to some physicians. They can send me somebody versus looking at it as a uh, relationship of two providers that have different skill sets, which is the way it should fucking be in the first place. And instead of just this subservient, I never, I never do when I was in the army, I never got that one bit. I'm a captain. You're a captain. So you're a surgeon. I'm yeah. a physical therapist. Dude, let's fucking talk like about this. So don't, don't talk to me like I'm a child, you know, just because <laughs> there's a difference here. I don't know why or how that started, but it's the worst. But understand, yeah, if you worst. understand this stuff, I've never been to a physician's office unless I was sick I, or I was going in for a, an appointment for myself in the physician's office. So you understand this stuff and you don't have to do that. Then all of a sudden you have you have people in, in your area. Like I have physicians that reach out to me for things to ask yeah. me for you know referrals because we have a, a, a group of people that are cash paying, non-price sensitive almost 3,000 individuals in the city mm-hmm. of Atlanta, we have a distribution channel that is attractive to them. So now we have people that historically you'd have to go bring cookies to that are bringing cookies to us. So put yourself in a position where you understand the game you're playing and which side of that do you want to be on. And that is when it comes down to these skills that you're learning, that's what's going to happen if that's really what you want to try to put your effort towards instead of just you know the, the clinical side, which is still important, but you have to have both. And... This is why I bring up on no, that passion. Another minute, so I'm sorry. So okay. we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up so that for time's sake, people don't just, uh, you know, whatever, just stop listening to your podcast. I think it's so funny because we both speak very quickly, which means people cannot listen to it on like 1.5 oh or two times speed because yeah. they're like, I can't understand. Yeah, no, dude, go ahead. Dare you to listen to this on 2X. Your brain will explode. Retain anything if this is on 2X. It's just going to be like, what? what? No, it, it's a problem. I think, uh, I, and, and I intentionally try to slow down. I, I'm, I know. Slow down, Danny. 
I know. And it just comes out. But it's like, that's the beauty of podcasts. They can listen to it again. They can stop. I'm going to say it again. Once is never another podcast. It doesn't come out with the same or similar topic. So, you know, I, I, I'm sticking to it. I'm from New York or I lived in New York for nine years. So I'm claiming it. And this is the speed we're dealing with. If they want to find you, Danny, if they want to communicate with you, I know your mastermind is almost full, but not quite. If they want to chat with you and kind of get into this, they don't want to pick your brain. If anybody messages you from this podcast and says, I want to pick your brain, you send them to me and I'm going to call the police. Yeah, that's a weird but phrase. if they want to contact you, I hate it's a that. super weird phrase. I, I mean, hey, I engage with people all the time. Like, you got a question, you can hit me up. I mean, in, I, I, I don't post much on Instagram, but I respond to everybody that messages me. So it's, it's for me, I kind of use it as just like a different uh, form of text message. Uh, you know, so oh, if you have a, if, if you have a question, like that's a, a really easy place to just start a conversation. Um, it's just Danny Matei. PT is the, uh, uh, is the handle and it's M A T T A. We're the only weirdos that pronounce it that way. But, uh, that's, that's an easy place to reach me. Like if you, if you're interested in some of the like more formal stuff that we do head to physical So physical therapy, B I Z.com. That's the name of our, uh, our company. Um, yeah, no, our, our, our mastermind is rocking, man. We think we have like eight spots left. We're capping at a hundred. Uh, so we're, we're close and it's a bunch of badasses. So it's cool. It's not the right fit for everybody. I mean, you, you definitely want to, uh, be, have a business and, and trying to actively grow that. And, you know, we definitely, um, challenge people in a lot of ways. We, you know, we have in-person, uh, events, we have ongoing group and, and individual calls and a ton of resources that we share. It's, it's a, it's a really cool group, but, um, you know, like I said, it's not for everybody. The easiest place to start though, if you're really looking to just get some relevant information, um, is if you go to finsurancebook.com, that's the book that I wrote. We actually, um, now we actually have a recorded audio book, which I talked to you about how Oh. reader I am um, took forever, but I did it. So hey, if I suck at reading, that's why uh, I still did it. <laughs> and uh, audiobook and the digital copy you can get for like, I think it's five bucks. Like we basically just took the book, which we were having yeah. to send, ship out to people it was costing us like $5. And we said, all right, let's just switch this out. And then we have no, yeah. you know, like people were losing their book, we stealing their book or whatever in their apartment. Um, so you get the audiobook and the digital uh, book like for five bucks. Like it's the that's amazing. The information you're gonna get on this topic that you can find. That's amazing, Danny. What's what about the podcast? Oh yeah, the podcast. So, like that's a that's probably the, oh, the big yeah. one. So yeah, PT Entrepreneur Podcast. Um, I think I'm closing in on episode 300. By the way, Ooh, baby, yeah. love it. Been a long a long time. I love it. I love it. So you guys, it's all in the show notes. Danny Mate M A T T A. PT on Instagram, uh, F Insurance Book, is that correct, Danny? On the interwebs, um, and PT Entrepreneur Podcast, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal podcast. So check all those things out, slide into the DMs, but be kind if you do. Uh, And why don't you guys, if you do have any other questions and you want to hear something again from us, because it's going to happen, slide into the DMs and let me know. And that's what we'll talk about for you guys next time. Anything else, Danny? No, I, I appreciate you, you having me on. I know this is a back back and forth uh, three three or so times. I think you, you, you've you been on mine and I've been on yours. It's, it's just fun this to have these great. conversations. I think this is one of the reasons yeah. why podcasts are just like one of my favorite, you know, uh, forms of, of content is just to have an, like an honest conversation. Like we would have this conversation, if, you know, if you were, if you, were anyway, you, know, yeah. you know, you know, playing a, game with my kids or whatever and you know eating some delius uh chicken sausage is like what we'd be talking about is we just get a chance to record it you know and let other people hear and if they want to listen to it cool if they don't no big deal it's cool too 
It's so good. Danny, thank you for everything. Thank you for taking the time to come on here. Everything you've done for the profession, everything you've done to help me. Just thank you. We all, I, everyone, we all appreciate it. My, my dude, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. You guys listening, thank you. I know you could have been doing anything, and you chose to listen to us for quite a bit of time. So for that, we are both endlessly, endlessly, endlessly appreciative. I'm not going to ask for any likes. I'm not going to ask for any subscriptions. You guys have done great with that. If you liked this episode, if you loved this episode, do me a solid and share it with someone else we're trying to change things danny said we're in a little bit of a revolution right now we're coming out of the great pause hopefully and i want things to be better than they were before so if you liked it if you loved it do me a solid and share it all right officially wrapping it up until next time friends dr danny matei and maestro Hey, wait a minute. Just to let you guys know, we are closing in on 200 views on iTunes. That's crazy. Most podcasts hardly get to 100 views, let alone 200. And this is such a niche-specific PT business podcast. That's wild. So let's try to rally the troops and get to 200 reviews for this podcast. The first thing you need to do is you got to subscribe to this sucker, whether it's on iTunes or any other platform that you're listening to on, so you know when new episodes are coming out. The next thing, make sure that you leave a review. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I read all of them. It means a lot to me. Next thing, guys, take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and put it in your stories on Instagram and tag me in it. That's at Danny Matei PT. If you do this, I will repost it. So you'll get a bump. I'll get a bump. We'll share this information with a lot more people because that's the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of a lot more people. So take a screenshot, share it on Instagram stories, tag me in it, and I will repost it. So here we go. Let's try to get to 200 reviews for the podcast. Thanks for listening.